All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, I've probably forgotten my face. I've added some facial hair since that time. But uh, welcome to the podcast, Women Owns 100 Yards of Podcast. Uh, I'm Omar, as I've said before. Joining me is Marshall. And uh, we, ha- we have a guest today, uh, James, from, uh, from formerly at Brigade Review and uh, now at Ask for Football, the big Army Twitter account and site. Hey, everyone. Uh, yeah, my personal account is Brigade Review. I'm still active there. So if you want to say hello to me, that's where to find me. Uh, but I now write for As for Football, um, and I have a good time doing it. I do some uh, weekend review type stuff, some previews for the football games, and I'm on their weekly podcast. Uh, little shameless plug, uh, we're going to start doing a uh, college football roundtable uh, starting next season. It's basically going to be a few guys uh, sitting down, basically saying, hey, here's my Saturday, here's what I'm watching in each time slot, and here's why I'm interested in it. Um, not a whole lot of analysis or anything, analysis or anything but uh, if you want to see what we're watching, uh, you know, tune in. Uh, that sounds awesome. great. <laughs> so uh, I have a little surprise for you guys if, uh, if you want. I, uh, so my name is James. I went to school with uh, uh, Mr. Borgia over there, and uh, he was, what, two classes? One class or two classes? But two classes behind me, right? Yeah, we had, a, we had a history class together, and we actually both got started uh, in sort of sports commentating and, and podcasting, radio shows, what have you. Uh, through the cadet radio station up at West Point, uh, uh, Brigade uh, WKDT, excuse me, and I Brigade Review was my weekly radio show there. So I actually have the original on-air sign from the WKDT radio station, which I shamelessly took when they were getting rid of it uh, about two years ago and they were revamping the station. So I now have the original KDT on-air sign, which I will forever hold. So. Thought. Can we play that in right now? Does like it, work? <laughs> it does. Yeah, uh, it might be a might be a little bright for the screen, but I got it working again. <laughs> I got to see it. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. So that's uh, that's how we got our start. Yeah, I mean, in the words of Paul Rudd, uh, look, look at us now. <laughs> Thought. <laughs> Absolutely. So. But I'm excited. Thanks for having me on, guys. I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, of course. Uh, we're always open to having guests. Um, Marshall, I'm sorry if I skipped over. Do you have any any opening words for you? Kick things off? No, 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 no. Go for it. Go for it. All right. So uh, this may seem like stale news, but um, you know it's never too late. It's or it's never never too early. Excuse me to fire up the conference realignment bandwagon or a rumor board. And one of the some of the big news that was coming uh, during bowl season or a conference championship week was a. Uh, with Brian Harson saying that Boise State should leave the Mountain West. And then from that, the American gave Boise State an open invitation. So I want to lead off with, uh, guys, what do you guys think the likelihood of uh, Boise State leaving the Mountain West for the American is? James, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, I I would say that it's, uh, it is less likely than most people would make it seem uh their contract with the mountain west tv deal is uh is pretty beneficial to boise um they got an insane percentage of that tv deal to keep them in the conference and i see that holding them there um the american would probably have to give them a a pretty uh a deal that a lot of american schools wouldn't want to give uh, in order to get them to come um and i just sort of i don't see boise state leaving the money yeah, that makes sense. Do you have any sense of like 
what that that Mountain West contract is compared to like the average American conference at all? I'm just curious. Well, I think the the American conference splits their uh, proceeds evenly amongst all their schools, uh, as do most conferences. Um, it's why you can get schools like Vanderbilt to stick around in the SEC, even though they win two games a year, because sure. um, they're getting a lot of money out of it and it gives them good press. Uh, Boise was poised to join the Big East at one point in the last conference realignment shuffle. I think they were poised to, uh, they were courted by the Big 12. Um, so there was definitely some desire for Boise at the Power Five level and they were willing to go. And the Mountain West got them to stay by offering Boise a lot, much bigger percentage than their fair share uh, from the Mountain West TV deal. So, how do you think, though, like this? You know, obviously with this year, especially in the in the playoff, we see the disrespect really to group of five teams. You don't think that moving to like not not even a power five, but necessarily the American, you don't think that could have some drawing advantage now that they know that might be kind of their one way into the playoff, especially if it's expanded. Uh, if it expands, I don't think they'll have any issue. I mean, they've gotten uh, they've gotten a, 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 a the group of five bid to the um, to the New Year Six Bowl before, so they've th- that path is there for them. Um, I mean, basically, as a group of five, you need to go undefeated, and if you go undefeated, you get to go to the group of five. You get the group of five slot. Every once in a while, there's a team that isn't undefeated that gets it, but by and large, the one remaining undefeated group of five team goes. Um, so this year is a little bit different. Uh, so I don't think anyone's making any decisions based on the COVID year, uh, and at least long-term decisions. Um, so there were a couple of uh, undefeated teams this year. I wouldn't look to that. Um, I would, I would wonder what the last time there were two undefeated group of five teams were, um, maybe our historian Omar can go back and, and check that out. Um, but my hunch is if Boise State wins the Mountain West and they don't have any bad losses, they get that group of five bid just like the American would. Um, and so they, they feel pretty confident about that. And there's no reason to take less money to have a marginally better uh, position in order to get into a a potential expanded playoff. That's fair. Omar, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, I agree and disagree a little bit. Uh, I think that the American – by adding uh, Boise State can sort of become on par with the Pac-12 at least. Because yeah, we got Boise, you got Cincinnati, Memphis, UCF, heck, even SMU is uh, emerging right now. But also with that, I think uh, you have to look at Boise State. They've been in the rankings like almost every single year uh, in the playoff rankings, but they're always consistently behind the American. And uh, if you look back to 2019, where they went 11-1, and only losses to BYU. That loss set them back behind a one-loss Memphis team. So they chose Memphis instead. And Memphis's uh, best Power 5 win was, I want to say it was against UCLA that year. I'm trying to think. Um, but, oh, no, Ole Miss. It was against Ole Miss. Ole Miss was like 5-7 and seven that year. So um, it's just the credibility of the American, I think, that's uh, that would draw Boise State and the potential to be sort of a stronger and potentially six-power conference. Hey, uh, you do point out, uh, you know, uh, something valuable, which is the legitimacy of the American is greater than the legitimacy of the Mountain West. And and that does matter. Um, but I, it's a money thing at that point. Right. Is, is this added little bit of legitimacy worth not getting a massive part of the TV deal? Um, and not that the Mountain West TV deal is especially lucrative or anything like that, but they do have an advantage over the American in terms of uh, their time slot. Uh, you know, that later time slot in the Mountain West 
uh, means that their games are a lot more viewed because they're just competing with either a primetime game on the East Coast that's really late or the rest of the Pac-12, but that's only one conference to compete with, whereas the American has to compete with, you know, six to you know seven conferences, sometimes even eight. So um, there is a, an advantage to that TV deal. Um, but who knows? I mean, it, it, it comes down to numbers, I think, is, is what the point is. And yes, there is a little bit of added legitimacy to the American. But uh, that being said, I mean, the Pac-12 should be less legitimate than, you know, the, the American, yet they have the big schools, so they're not going to be. Um, they have the big, uh, the, the state schools, they have the, uh, the large graduation number schools. So they're going to, they're going to be assumed to have that legitimacy, even if their football teams aren't good. Yeah. And uh, I, I agree with that for sure. But uh, I also think as well, maybe Boise State wants to get out of the late TV windows because in the past negotiation of TV deals with the Pac-12, they wanted to get out of the late TV slots as much as they could. Ultimately, they couldn't, but in the end, uh, we see like with the, the Heisman voting, whatever it is, um, the rankings, the West, Co West Coast bias, as much as it shouldn't exist, still exists to this day. And potentially playing, say, Boise State, I guess, noon at, at Temple in a cross-divisional game, you know, every couple of years in Philadelphia would help out with uh, the credibility of the program, and I guess, um, just like potential voters in terms of New Year's Six. Who was, who was the last West Coast team to go to a national championship game was it uh was it usc or, or was it oregon oregon yeah, yeah. okay yeah gotcha and they had a bunch of star players and um yeah i just don't see the pac-12 i could see a year where usc gets really good but i don't see them competing you know year to year i think their legitimacy is just going to come from the fact that each of their schools graduates you know 20 some thousand people are you know are just an insane amount um, over a four-year period. Yeah, um, but I mean, when you bring that up, I guess it shows it's just like credibility in general, tradition um, brings up, or, you know, you, you get a lot out of it, really. And in terms of the group of five, we have like Cincinnati and USF, former Big East schools. Uh, you got Navy for that matter as well, with all the tradition that they have as a, as a service academy. It carries them well, and uh, it's, it's sort of like an eye test type thing. Yeah, I mean, I test. We can we can sort of go back and forth. Now, now we're getting into like the the playoff criteria, um, but it clearly the games on the the games on the field clearly don't matter. Um, if they did, Cincinnati would uh, you know could potentially have a playoff spot this year. And I understand they lost to Georgia, uh, but that's not how we decide playoffs. We talk about deserving teams, not the best teams, um, and that's why Notre Dame got in. Um, but at the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> the games on the field really don't matter to the committee. And so we either need an expanded playoff or sort of none of this really matters anyway. So getting back to Boise and the Mountain West, again, it's just that numbers. It's is a large contract in the Mountain West deal going to be plus not having to travel to the East Coast, you know, four or five times a year and spend a lot of money doing so. Um, is that going to be worth um, the added bit of legitimacy and even if it is worth the legitimacy, does Boise State think they can compete in the American, right? Is, is Boise State going to go up against Cincinnati? Is Boise State going to go up against, you know, UCF and win consistently and have enough chances to get that group of five spot? They, they might think, hey, if we go under, we, we think we can go undefeated in the Mountain West more times than we can get the American championship. And if that's the case, they should stay in the Mountain West because they'll get that group of five bid more often. 
I was just checking out some of the numbers here on the on the TV deals. And so I'm looking at the average um, Mountain West payout per year is about it's about like 1.1 to 2 million per school. And the average for the American is about like 6 million per school. Kind of a kind of yeah, crazy. And, and Boise's getting a lot more than 1.2 million a year. I mean, they're getting, I mean, sure. are they getting, are they getting like 6 million though? Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how much they're getting. I know they're getting, they're getting, in, they, they got enough to keep them out of the big 12 and the big mm-hmm. East. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. So I guess we'll, um, move this along a bit, I guess. Um, so say uh, Boise State does leave the Mountain West, which we've already said. I mean, we don't think it's likely, but say they do. So what do you guys think the Mountain West's uh, next steps are in terms of expansion or staying padded 11, just like the American did when UConn left? Well, I mean, certainly I don't think anyone wants to stay at 11. It's why the American is courting Boise State right now. Um so 11 isn't ideal, but I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. Conferences have done weirder things. I mean, the big 12 has eight teams. So, um, you know, it's not, not the worst thing in the world, but it's n- not where anyone wants to be. Um, I think there are a few different avenues they can take. Um, and I'm happy to sort of go through my list. I don't know if there's a way that you want to run it down, um, but I'm, I'm happy to sort of list off what I think the Mountain West's options are. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear yours. Cool. So I have, uh, let's see, other than remaining at 11 teams, I have, we'll call it six options, uh, but it's really nine options, um, but I'll condense one. So the first is uh, University of Texas El Paso in the Sun Bowl. Um, If they could peel them off of Conference USA, they have that stadium, which makes them unique from every other Conference USA school. Um, and makes them more desirable for the Mountain West. Plus, geographically, they make the most sense of the Mountain West because they're by far the furthest West team. Um, so peeling them off, you know, potentially, but then you get into the question of whether, you know, UTEP wants to do something like that. Uh, Idaho um, would be another option. They were kicked out of the Sun Belt along with New Mexico State um, back in 2013, 2014. Um, and when they got kicked out, Idaho went to FCS, Uh, and New Mexico State went uh, FBS independent. Um, So if they can convince Idaho to come back to FBS, uh, that would be a good pickup. Idaho, by the way, probably has the coolest stadium, home stadium in college football in the Kibbe Dome. Uh, It's just a wild sight. Uh, New Mexico State uh, probably looking for a conference. I mean, they're independent sort of because they have to be. Um, So, you know, you could see them wanting to join the conference. And then uh, this is my option. That's one option, but it's really four options. Uh, Any of the Dakota schools. There are four Dakota schools, North and South, State and State. Uh, If they could peel any of those four teams off, it would be good for the Mountain West. Any of those four teams would not be the worst team in the Mountain West. Um, The question is whether the Mountain West can lure one of the teams to break up that four-way rivalry. And then the last is sort of a, a, a wild card for me. Um, I'm going to go with Eastern Washington. They're a school that's had a lot of success in FBS over the last few years. I don't think they won a title, but they went to a, uh, they went to a championship. They play on that red turf. So the mountain West would be getting rid of the Smurf turf and then bringing in the Inferno. Um, so that would be, uh, that would be interesting. Uh, you, you can't get non, you, 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 it's the mountain West. You have to have a field without, without green turf on it. Um, and I think Eastern Washington would, you would compete in, uh, 
in FBS uh, along with the rest of the, the Mountain West. So I think it would be a, a good a good fit. And obviously geographically, it makes sense and expands the Mountain West into a state where they don't currently exist. Yeah, I like that. I like that Eastern Washington. I haven't, I haven't considered that before. I know me and Omar, we've kind of spitballed back and forth the New Mexico State idea. I think it's interesting because, correct me if I'm wrong, Omar, but with the WAC reforming FCS, was New Mexico State more poised to join that? So I think uh, with the recent news of the WAC, I think New Mexico State is going to sit and wait until the, the WAC develops as a football conference with those four Southland schools, uh, Tarleton State and Dixie State, and Southern Utah for that matter. I think they're going to wait and see. But uh, in terms of the WAC you mentioned, Marshall, I think uh, if Boise State, I guess we could have covered this earlier, but if Boise State were to join the American as a football-only member, they could join the WAC as a as an Olympic sports member. I'm sure the WAC would welcome them with open arms, considering Boise State sort of has a bigger brand than a lot of those schools in the WAC, considering their D2 pull-ups. But um, I think New Mexico State's a wait and see. I think they'd much rather be in the Mountain West and stay in the WAC because the WAC is uh, – I mean, there, there's really like no football, I guess, brand or credibility, honestly, when you pull up the Southland schools and Southern Utah and then like the Division II schools that are now going to be Division I schools now. Yeah, I mean, the easy answer is New Mexico State, right? They're an independent, makes sense. You're not, you're not tearing up another conference. You're not creating conflict amongst the group of five conferences. Um, you're, you're taking a school that wants a conference and giving them a conference. The other uh, clean answer, not necessarily easy, is kicking Hawaii out, which is the one that I forgot to mention. Um, you know, Hawaii is football only in the Mountain West, right? It's the only conference. They're in the WAC and everything else. Uh, I think they're in the WAC, right? Uh, or They're in the Big West. Uh, the Big West. You're right. You're right. Right. So, so they're in the Big West and everything else. They're just Mountain West and football. And I'm not sure whether the trips out to Hawaii – every other year, every fourth year, depending on what division you're in, are monetarily worth the chance to recruit a little bit there when so many Hawaii, you know, high schoolers are going to power five programs. So that's another potential option for the Mountain West. Yeah, you uh, go ahead, Marshall. No, no, go for it, go for it. Oh, I, I was saying like, uh, you mentioned independence and uh, I, I don't think there's a better time to be an independent since like the eighties before uh, Conference USA existed or, or whatnot. And when Florida State was independent, cause there's just so many of them. But uh, I, I think it makes sense with Hawaii too. And something we talked about beforehand was uh, the stadium issue with Aloha Stadium um, going, you know, going down and they're them having to play for now in a 4,100 uh, seat stadium in Clarence TC Ching uh, Athletic Complex, which is expandable. But it's not ideal uh, for Hawaii and the Hawaii Bowl for that matter. Uh, what, what were your thoughts, Marshall? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. You have to think about, I guess, in terms of kicking out of Hawaii, I would, I would kind of think about the incentive of, like, the people who are like, going there. Because it's like, if you're, like, a coach or you're, like, any, you know, program director or any student for that matter, it's like, you know, it's, like, badass to go to Hawaii. Like, you want to go take your trip to Hawaii. Go Like, even if you're going to go and get your get absolutely like destroyed there even if you're going to destroy Hawaii even if the game is completely like just nonsensical or like it doesn't add a lot to your program I guess I feel like the people who are the ones participating in the game have much more incentive to like keep going to Hawaii especially considering they're not it's not coming out of their pocket you know like I feel like this is one of those scenarios where it's like the little guy who gets the most out of the deal ends up overturning, you know, the benefit of the crowd. Cause I, I, I do agree. I think it's definitely not monetarily like feasible. Like it's probably something that they'd rather save money on. 
especially looking at programs like UNM, you know, like a lot of these programs are cutting sports. They're considering doing all this stuff. It's like a trip to Hawaii. That's what, like a couple of, like, it's gotta be at least a hundred thousand dollars, right? Like, like just ridiculous, ridiculous. But unfortunately I feel like the people who are the ones going are not gonna, are not gonna want to give that up. By the way, how cool would it be if Hawaii got kicked out of the, uh, the Mountain West this year and they didn't have a stadium and instead of playing home games at some 4,000 seat stadium, they just decide to take million and a half dollar checks playing all over America and not a single home game. Like independent Hawaii visits the big house and Ohio Stadium and then goes down and plays LSU in Baton Rouge and just plays a massive, I mean, and plus, like, you could recruit kids to go to Hawaii for that. You could tell them, yeah, you know what, we don't have a home stadium, but you get to live in Hawaii, and every weekend we're going to go to one of the largest stadia in college football and play big-time programs, and you get to play on that team and barnstorm around the country. You know, I actually love that. I love that. It's probably, you know, it's like people are talking a lot about now Coastal Carolina. They're like, oh, it's going to be so easy to recruit over there to Myrtle Beach. It'll be easy to recruit to Hawaii. Are you kidding me? Come on. Imagine, imagine a coach. Imagine like Hawaii coaches going into Ohio Stadium in Columbus, and then going out to like all the suburbs and recruiting and saying, "Hey, man, so our stadium is not going to be completed for three years. So if you want to play big time programs, come live in Hawaii, and we'll uh, fly you out to all the schools that you wanted to play, that you ever ever wanted to play, and we'll play an amazing schedule against." huge opponents on huge primetime games. It'll boost the Hawaii name. They'll get to play day games instead of the midnight game. I can stop watching Hawaii at 4 p.m. instead of 1 a.m. I can watch Hawaii every weekend instead of whatever, you know, Hawaii TV network they have it on when they have home Mountain West games and you can't watch them. Like, it would be awesome to watch Hawaii go around the country like that. (laughs) Thoughts, Omar? Yeah, I will say, um, you know, you bring a, you bring a point, you know, with uh, the TV slot, but I'm going to miss Robert K. Kala, the the nice, uh, strong baritone, uh, voice of Hawaii. Make a deal. <laughs> make, make, make a deal. When Hawaii comes to visit, you have one of the announcers needs to be what needs to be him. Like that, that's got to be written <laughs> to the contract. Do it that way. All right. Yeah. Problem solved. Uh, I mean, you bring a valid point there, James, about like Hawaii barnstorming, but except a. Uh, I think the playoff, one of the underlying stories is like not that the playoff has ruined schedule, but how it's kind of ruined Hawaii, how like no one really wants to play Hawaii in a non-conference because every single year in like the mid-2000s, you'd have like the first weekend of December, pretty much like the last college football game of the year, it'd be like Hawaii versus a power conference team. And uh, I think 03, Timmy Chang led like a 20-point comeback against Michigan State last game of the year, the, the great Timmy Chang. And now Hawaii, they, they've lost that, really. Like, they don't have the late game because of conference championship weekend, I mean, which there's not much they can do. But not really any power conference teams want to visit uh, Hawaii. Like, I mean, Tom Brady and Michigan played at Hawaii Thanksgiving weekend one year. And now the best they can do is, like, Khalil Tate in Arizona. No offense to Khalil Tate or anything. But, I mean, it's just like Arizona's not that blue blood blue blood, excuse me, blue blood program, geez, that, um, you know, put that, I mean, Hawaii used to visit, like, heck, 2008, um, Cincinnati already clinched a berth to the uh, Orange Bowl, but yet they were struggling against Hawaii in the last week of the season. They're down in the fourth quarter, and they needed a late touchdown to beat the Warriors. Like, you just don't see those games anymore, and your idea, James, can bring that back for sure. Yeah, the, the thing with Hawaii is uh, what really kills Hawaii, I think, is the playoff, 
And the the reason for that is the there's you know there's the NCAA rule where if you play Hawaii at Hawaii, you get a you can put a thirteenth game on your schedule, which means you can bring in more money, right? You have another game to bring in more money. The issue is with the playoff, all that extra game does is it's another game to lose, right? The playoff is said is basically said, especially with this year, we don't care how many wins you have, you can't have more than one loss. And if you have one loss, you really should have a conference championship. You don't need it, but you should have it. So, like, th- this, you can't have, you can't incentivize teams to go out to Hawaii if all you're doing is putting another potential L on their schedule if they hope to compete for the playoff, right? You can get the Arizonas to come out there. You're not going to get the USC's to go out there because the USC's hope at the end of the year they have a zero in the loss column and they're in the playoff. Right, you you might be able to convince you know a, a group of five program to get out there because they don't think they can, uh, you know they'd rather have the extra money. They don't think they can make it to the you know they can't make it to the playoff, so that loss doesn't matter as much. But for blue blood programs, like you're never going to get Michigan to go to Hawaii. Why would they? That's just a potential loss. Yeah, I mean this is the thing that's like bugging me about that is just like it's almost that it's like a symptom, you know, the overall like horrible landscape to call it not, not obviously not all of college football is horrible, a horrible landscape, whatever. But the fact that like programs are just so afraid to go and play like game, they don't want to go and play a play Troy at Troy, you know, they don't want to go play a Hawaii at Hawaii. They don't want to, they don't want to do, you know, it's just, it's just garbage. And then you get SEC teams start scheduling like three cupcakes in the middle of the season. It's like, come on, man, come on. Yeah, no, I totally agree for sure. Like how, I, I mean, I forgot about the Hawaii exemption and uh, some teams like um, New Mexico State are taking advantage of the Hawaii exemption because there's now the week zero exemption where they get pretty much a national TV slots uh, the week before Labor Day. And, and it's good for the group of fives. New Mexico State's playing on week zero, I think, almost every single year from now on. I mean, pending, of course, global pandemics. But uh, yeah, for sure. Like, it's a shame what's happened to Hawaii and like no one's really talking about it. Um, like really, but um I want to ask this question um, before uh, I guess sort of like turn the page a bit. Uh, what, like you mentioned, UTEP. What about uh, Houston or UTSA? I think UTSA to the Mountain West is a kind of intriguing one for me because UTSA was one of the best stories in college football, even though no one might have noticed really. I mean, they were really competitive against BYU uh, before BYU lost to Coastal. They're the closest at any team that played BYU, and that was one loss, a one score game at uh, Lavelle Edwards in, Pro- in Provo. And then they were really competitive against Army. Uh, granted, Army was on their, like, sixth quarterback uh, that game. But they are competitive against Army. And then uh, later this year in the first responders bowl, they were really competitive against Louisiana. So I'm excited to see what Jeff Trailer can do with uh, Texas recruiting out in uh, San Antonio. Like, what do you think about any of those three schools, even Rice with their academics and sort of, um, I wouldn't say strong football tradition, but they have history in the Southwest Conference. Yeah, I will say everything that we said positive about the Sun Bowl, I will say negative about the Alamo Dome. It's a cool stadium, and it's awful. The players hate it. The coaches hate it. Fans hate it. It is. Uh, it, it needs to be redone completely. Of course, it won't be redone. Uh, but, I mean, it looks cool from the outside. I saw it about two weeks ago. I drove right by it. Um, and it looks cool. And then you go inside <laughs> – and the bathrooms don't work, and the turf needs to be replaced 20 years ago. Um, meanwhile, the Sun Bowl, you drive the road from El Paso, from like overlooking El Paso, and you come down the west side, and you drive right over the Sun Bowl, and it looks beautiful, and it's gorgeous. Um, so 
there's a clear advantage to try to pick off El Paso, and that is its stadium. Um, I do think that San Antonio is a more competitive team, um, but I don't know that you're going to get, you know, it's worth it to have to try. I mean, you got to remember driving from El Paso to San Antonio is like 10 and a half hours. So or maybe it's a little bit less, but it, it, it's not close. El Paso is much more geographically advantaged to the Mountain West than San Antonio is. And I don't think Houston will leave the American ever. Yeah, I want, I'm kind of curious, Omar, what was your rationale for the for the Houston? Oh, I meant well, Rice. So Rice... Um... Oh, no, that's oh, okay. Okay. I, I thought you said like I thought you were like, like, city of Houston. I was like, like, I was like uh, no way Houston's leaving the Americans during the Mountain West. <laughs> yeah, I, I meant Rice, um, as in because I mean they they were in the whack and that was sort of out of necessity after the fall of the Southwest Conference. But that can sort of be a, they can be an attractive school in terms of academics. They're in a, they're a member of the American Association of Universities, a prestigious research uh, conglomerate of sixty five or so schools with most of the Ivy League there. So there's that credibility. Uh, basketball, not so much. They haven't made a tournament since 1970. Uh, football, uh, they're a little bit on the rise. If it weren't for the quadruple doink, they would have had a better year. But they beat Marshall. They really dominated Marshall first weekend of December. So, I mean, you never know. But there, there's that huge Houston market. And uh, with the Mountain West's TV deal, which um, I'll go into a little bit here, uh, compare, like, I'll compare it with Conference USA. But the Mountain West has um, at least three games on, a C- on CBS for football a year. And with the SEC leaving CBS by 2023, the Mountain West could be the main ticket for uh, that network, if not Conference USA as well. But um, who knows? Potentially a a Texas Rice game. I mean, a Texas Rice game at uh, Reliant could be a primetime CBS game. And America gets to see Rice get pasted on on national TV. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I think just that TV market and uh, the network TV deal or or network TV exposure the Mountain West is getting could uh, play hand-in-hand with rice or UTSA for that matter. Just to add on your, you know, rice, rice beat down Marshall in football this year. And they beat me down back in 2017 in my application to them. Yeah. I, I will say if, if the mountain West wants to add a perennial two and 10 football team, why not add the sun bowl? Why are you going out of your geographic location to take a far inferior stadium when you can have the sun bowl? Did JFK ever give a speech at the Sun Bowl? Yeah, no, he did not. But I'd still rather be at the Sun Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, I will say that for sure. I think um, if the Mountain West want to do something big-brained and, uh, like, take a gamble, I guess they would gamble on being, like, the main, pretty much the main dish on CBS once the SEC leaves. And I'm not sure how committed the uh, or CBS would be to – Excuse me, Army is the main dish on CBS. Okay, that's true. Well, the CBS Sports Network, but but I, I mean, uh, uh, like uh, net, network TV, CBS. Um, just comparing the the TV contracts for Conference USA and Mountain and the Mountain West, the Conference USA is like probably one of the worst TV contracts alongside like you know the MAC or the Sun Belt. As in, they get nine football games a year on CBS Sports Network, eight men's basketball games, uh, the semifinals of the tournament, the title, the women's basketball title. 15 football games on stadium, the syndicator, which uh, I think stadium is now doing regional sports network. So that's even worse. Uh, and then 17 basketball games and they get seven uh, Facebook or football games on Facebook, 10 basketball games there as well. And it's 400,000 per school. Now compare that to the mountain West who gets 23 games on CBS and CBS SN 16 to 23 um, regular season games on Fox or FS one, 
32 men's basketball games on CBS or CBSSN with at least two men's basketball games on CBS, uh, 16 to 32 men's basketball games on Fox or FS1. And I think the payout is around like 4,000. Now it's 270 for six years. And you divide that for like 12 per school or maybe 11 per school might be more, but it's like four or five uh, million dollars per school. Uh, I mean, that's like a, that's like a leap. No offense to our friend, Rich Waltz, friend of the podcast, Rich Waltz, but I'm not sure that Rice wants um, a Friday night broadcast um, on CBS SN to be like the pinnacle of their season in terms of exposure wise, even though Rich Waltz had an amazing call of the UAB Marshall Conference USA championship championship game. Hey, uh, educate me for a second. So CBS just lost the SEC deal to ESPN. So all the prime time, I mean, ESPN already had the minor games in the SEC, but they lost their primetime deal, correct? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, so pretty much like the SEC on CBS is now the SEC on ABC in 2023, where I think the SEC okay. on the 330 slot on ABC. So, so what are CBS's contracts now? They have like a three-game contract with the Mountain West. What else do they have? Um, they got Army-Navy. <laughs> um, yeah, well, they- conference-wise. Yeah, they got they got Conference USA, and um, they have some MAC games that I think those are like uh, lent over from like ESPN. I don't think they have first choice of those games, but the pickings are. So, what, what I'm asking is my hopeful thinking that Army could be on broadcast for a few more games every year. Is that a potential? I could totally see that Army and um, and Navy for that matter as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, home games at Navy anyway. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Cool. Yeah. The. Uh, did Conference USA ever get off of the BN Sports thing? Yeah, they uh, they're off of okay. BN Sports, but they're not on <laughs> NFL Network, which I mean that's an upgrade for sure. But the yeah. BN Sports days were just were awful. Oh, and you had to like watch it on your phone because the it was the only way you could get access to BN Sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So like Conference USA and like many articles have pointed to this, and the 0-6 bowl season like just exacerbated in the eyes of many where. Conference USA isn't what it used to be. And, um, you know, just, you know, just being Army fans. I mean, James, you remember that, you know, Conference USA with Army, like that was the place to be because you had Louisville, 1991 Fiesta Bowl participant. And other yeah, I, I was going to say, so that brings me back a little bit to what we were talking about. You said it's never been more exciting to be an independent. And if you leave Notre Dame in 2021 aside, right? So they joined the conference for the year, right? The last time that a team became an independent because they wanted to was army in 2005. Right. And I don't know the last time before that, I, I know it wasn't recent before that. It might've been sometime in the nineties. It might've been Louisiana tech, you know, in the nineties sometime. Um, and, and that might not have even been by their own volition. So we haven't seen a team say, I'd rather be an independent than be in a conference since 2005. And that's excluding Notre Dame because they would rather have been an independent this year and joined a conference because they needed to. So it was backwards. Um, so they're just returning to the status quo. So I don't know that um, the, the biggest issue with being an independent is when you are, uh, when all of these conferences move from seven game conference schedules to eight or nine game conference uh, schedules, which has happened since basically when we went from 11 conferences to 10 conferences and because of that conferences got bigger. And so conference schedules increased. Plus they wanted to, you know, the power five wanted to create more money. So they increased conference schedules. It's very hard to do what army and BYU do in terms of scheduling. And, and they don't do a fantastic job at it. I mean, I wish army schedule next year was a lot harder. Um, 
but it's not. And that's a consequence of conferences growing and conference schedules growing. It's very hard to schedule. It's why Notre Dame joined the ACC in all sports and had an agreement to put five ACC schools or however many ACC schools they put on their schedule every year because it guarantees them a certain amount of power five opponents every year in addition to their rivalries. Um, so Notre Dame, in a sense, sold out to, to a conference without joining it, but sold out because they realized that it wasn't feasible anymore to make that 12-game schedule happen if you, weren't, if you didn't have guaranteed games every year. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily think Hawaii is on the outside looking in right now and saying, ah, I wish we were independent because it's hard to build that schedule. It is very hard. I assume maybe at, maybe at that rate, we should see a, a similar deal like as Notre Dame with the ACC. Maybe we could see that New Mexico State with the SEC. I think New Mexico State needs about 70 more Power 5 wins in their school history, which is one of the oldest football school histories in the country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's a great point for sure, James. Uh, I think um, – yeah, like I guess the other route would be for like Boise State to like be independent because they do sort of have their own TV deal. But again, like just like forming that schedule, it's they have a hard time getting Power Five games. I mean, you look at their future schedules; it's pretty much a, a cross section of the best teams in the Power Five, with the exception of UTEP. I'm not sure why they're on the schedule, but if they if I end up posting at Fort Bliss, then I, I hopefully will be at that game uh, for uh, Boise State to blow out UTEP. But uh, I want to. By the way, Fort Bliss, the most underrated. Uh, post in the army by far and yeah away. yeah people people are um, saying it's in the desert it's in the middle of nowhere it's close to home i don't mind being a utep and aggie and new mexico state aggie season ticket holder it'll be a good life and and but, by uh, way, when it comes to conferences like i am one of the few army fans that thinks that army should be in a conference and i'm disappointed that they didn't join the american when they had the chance um i i don't necessarily know if it's a good idea but i wouldn't be against army being in the mac like Imagine, so there was that one year, it was Central Michigan got the, I think they got a Cotton Bowl berth or something like that, right? They played Wisconsin, I think, and lost in a close game. If Army joined the, the MAC and they could run the table in the MAC every, once every 10 years, that's a, that's a New Year's Six Bowl once every 10 years, or at least, or, you know, a potential for a New Year's Six Bowl or once every, uh, you know, every once in a while. So I wouldn't absolutely hate that. You know, I, I, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree for sure. And uh, we, we can talk about this on, like, another podcast because uh, with the discussion of, like, uh, conferences comes, like, Navy. Like, it seems like every couple of years when, like, Navy has a subpar season, you got, like, the folks like John Feinstein's asking, has Ken, has Kenny Matololo Kenny lost it? Is Navy in over their heads? Um, and, I mean, that's an interesting discussion, too, for sure. Like, um, and, again, that just brings to the point with, like, independence. And I guess, like, in terms, like, fit of conferences, like, like where you fit, like Conference USA is a poor fit for like a lot of the schools in that conference. And um, it just kind of makes you think like whether it's some like the Texas schools in the group of five should like go out on their own, whether it's like Texas State, uh, North Texas, UTSA, uh, you name it, and just create, recreate sort of like the Southwestern Conference. But uh, that's like, that's like, I guess like eons above like, or beyond like what we're talking about for sure. But um, I kind of want to bring back the point with like UTEP uh, going to the Mountain West. I think uh, it would rejuvenate the fan base if they went to the Mountain West because um, they were like original members in the WAC, I'm pretty sure. They went to the uh, border conference for, uh, I don't think anyone over the age of 70 is going to listen to this, but the old border conference with Arizona, Arizona State, New Mexico, and New Mexico State and UTEP. 
they went to the, they went there joined the WAC in 67 and um they the old territorial cup conference yeah exactly and also the kit carson rifle arizona new mexico <laughs> but uh you know we need to put some respect on the five dollar uh, the five dollar bits of broken chair trophy too <laughs> all, all these things need to exist right yeah rivalry trophies i mean i'm surprised that one exists the, the five dollar bits of, of broken chair but um West and like you have like those old rivalries with um I'm trying to think like who is in the the pre ninety six whack that's in the Mountain West you got like Colorado State, um San Diego State I mean just like pretty much you name it like the pre ninety six whack before the the expansion like energize the fan base and sort of I guess you know bring back memories of when UTEP was competing or I mean they never ultimately ultimately made it to the Holiday Bowl but you know when they're competing for that spot in San Diego I mean I feel like that would energize the fan base rather than playing um. UAB in division no offense to UAB but like it's hard to you know the it's hard to like explain that to a UTEP fan who's been there for a while like okay we're gonna play the UAB a program to start up in the 90s and uh we're in the same division and that that's our rival you know to answer your question by the way the the pre-96 members of the WAC that are now in the Mountain West you got New Mexico Wyoming Colorado State obviously Texas El Paso you know would be in this situation San Diego State uh, Hawaii Air Force and then Boise State would be leaving. Or actually Boise State would have been after 96, but uh but yeah, Air Force Hawaii San Diego State which all all three of those joined a little bit later but still pre-96 and then Colorado State, Wyoming and New Mexico. Yeah, so there's like plenty of opportunities there for like uh you know nostalgia. And I mean there, there's times, you know, I'm so excited about the whack because I miss it. Um my dad's a huge San Jose State fan, and I mean just the late Friday night games, so those are fun times. But um certainly something to consider if you're a UTEP fan or you know. Well, um <laughs> I think I think this uh this talk is, is sort of ran its course. Uh thank you, James, for taking time to join uh this uh, small time podcast. Uh do you have any anything final to say? No, just I, I just want to thank James too. James, you've been awesome. Definitely another guest that knows a lot more about college football than me. So very, very welcome on the show at any time. Hey, thanks guys for having me. I, I enjoyed it having me on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm happy to come on anytime, and, and I'm happy to have uh, you know you guys on uh, if if we end up doing that uh, college football roundtable, which we're excited for, um, and we have a spot. I'll uh, I'll hit you guys up, and we can do this again. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I, I always have, like, I love listening to your Twitter, or, you know, watching your Twitter, because sometimes, like, I'll have, like, I, I at the beginning of every Saturday, I have, like, a list of here are the things I'm going to watch. And I set up, uh, I have friends over, and we have three TVs up, and we have, like, one TV with the main event, and then a middle TV and the small TV. And it's, like, very carefully, like, put together. But usually the third TV, nobody cares about. It just sits there, and it's on some random game. And I'll be on Twitter. And I'll see you tweet about something and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then I'll flip it on and it's just an amazing game. So uh, follow, follow his Twitter if you want to, uh, if you want a constant update on the interesting things going on live on Saturday. I really appreciate that, James. I mean, I didn't think anyone really listened because, um, uh, you know, due to recent events that Marshall knows about, I have fully embraced the identity of a college football writer, the quirkiness of being a college football writer. And, um, you know, I, I thought, I thought pr- everyone thought this guy should uh, really, really shut up about group of five football. And, um, you know, but I really appreciate that <laughs> for sure. I'll try my best to um, keep watching the games, even though hopefully, um, you know, pandemic aside on my own, 
Uh, I can like tour the scene a bit, you know, the college football scene, the stadiums a bit, you know, maybe see some Georgia Southern football this fall out in Port Gordon. I'll, uh, uh, you know, if them you end the... up out in El Paso, I'll uh, I'll come in for a game at, at the Sun Bowl with you. Oh, for sure. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, maybe the Warren I-10, one of the most underrated rivalries in college football, state versus. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warren I-10, was it, isn't Warren I-10? No, that's Warren I-4 is, is uh, USF, UCF. Warren I-10 is which one? Uh, UTEP versus uh, New Mexico State, a very hotly contested rivalry. I mean, it's it's got to be competitive when you have two of the worst two teams in the last five years of college football. <laughs> That's I mean, like I mean, that one year. Wrong. There was that one year that Washington and Washington State, I forget which one, one of them was 0-12 and, and one of them was 1-11 because they beat the other one. It's just, <laughs> I, I guess you had a good season then. Yeah, I, I know which game you're talking about because um, it was 08, uh, nine-year-old me was watching that game for whatever reason. <laughs> 16 to 13 um washington state beats tyrone willingham which i mean i like ty i like ty willingham maybe that's why i was watching it or maybe it just felt bad for washington but um yeah there's a reason you're a history major I wanna yeah exactly that right now. yeah <laughs> exactly um yeah i'm surprised you know who would have thought that you would mention that game and um you know i i'd, I'd be able to talk about it <laughs> Hey, uh, one thing before we go, and I'll ask you guys, and, and I can ask later. So I'm going to be on a podcast later today. It should come out later in the week with As for Football. And we're going to be interviewing Ben Holden, who is a CBS uh, sports play-by-play for football and hockey and a few other things, but uh, known by uh, Omar and I as the play-by-play announcer on CBS Sports for Army home games. Um I'm going to ask him a bunch of rapid fire questions, you know, boom, boom, boom. Just give me the first answer that comes to your head. You guys got anything you want me to ask? Um, I guess as a longtime army fan, this might seem um, kind of quirky, but. Or college sports fan. I mean, it is all college sports. So. Oh, all college yeah. sports. But army, go ahead. Um, I guess if it's all college sports, then um, I guess maybe like ask him about like army joining a conference. I want to see how he feels about that. Okay. I like uh, it. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking too. I was saying, bring up your point on Army to the Mac. That was that was interesting. Oh, actually, I, I got another one too. Like, um, how does he feel like about like watching, you know, seeing Army play like two Patriot League schools a year? I mean, I used, I hated that. You know, I used to hate that whenever um, the fall season would come along. I'm like, this is a throwaway game, especially like last year. There was a brutal two week stretch where it was um, the first week was VMI and the week after was UMass. <laughs> It was like, I mean, like, how do you get excited for that? Well, the the whole Patriot League thing is uh, has actually helped out Army and Navy a lot this year. I mean, Navy does their FCS game against uh, Patriot League schools usually as well. And Army under Mike Buddy has started going back to one one AA school or FCS school a year. So uh, hopefully that'll hold. They, they, there was like this year was supposed to be a little bit of an exception because uh, North Texas canceled the last second. Um, but there, we don't have a year in the future as of now with two FCS schools, so that's good. Um, but the uh, the Patriot League thing, like this year, Army and Navy have been allowed to compete in out-of-conference games, uh, whereas the rest of the Patriot League is not. <laughs> and they say it's officially because they're in a unique COVID environment, all this stuff. Really, it's because they bring lots of money into the Patriot League come football season. So... Uh, they, they like Army and Navy, and they want to keep them happy. So that has come back. That, that has been paid forward. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the day when Army pays – or Army lets Holy Cross visit um, my beloved Holy Cross Crusaders, who I grew up five minutes away from. Um, but I don't think that day is going to come anytime soon. 
last time they played, I think it was, uh, 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 who was it? Uh, there was a famous uh, two way Gordy Lockbaum. Gordy Lockbaum. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He ran all over us. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I used to see his, his um, name or jersey hanging in the rafters of Fit and Field. And then as I learned about it, it was pretty cool. You know, just, uh, you know, I miss, I miss Holy Cross for sure. I want, I want to get back to Fit and Field one day. But um, I guess if uh, we have anything else or nothing else to say, um, this has been a pleasure. Uh, once again, thank you, James. Um, and until next time, um, peace, love, and soul, everyone. Have a good day.